Welcome to the Iraq City Podcast. This is The Rocket. Today we'll be talking about Outcast. This is episode 18. And to do so, please welcome the legendary, one-of-a-kind, K-9. What's going on? Thank you. Thank you so much for the introduction. Strong songs for this hour. <laughs> Super sound of the 70s. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, uh, uh, the strong songs, that comes from one of our local hip-hop uh, radio stations in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Ah, so, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I think when they would play an R and B block, they'd say "Strong Songs R and B." So that's ah, where. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's where I get it from. Um, All right. You know, cool. yeah. So um, Evan, it's been a little bit of a while, and um, you know, we're both on a mutual um, a group, right? On um, on um, WhatsApp, and one, and I've been, you know, I've been tracking what you've been uh, listening to. So we have kind of an idea. Um, yes. Do you want to share a little bit with us, please? Yeah, I've been really going in, back into the, um, I guess, the Unholy Trinity. So Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, and Black Sabbath. Um, mm-hmm. From those three, Deep Purple was the one I was least familiar with. Like, I'd heard their greatest hits and things like that, of course. But I decided to go through um, album by album, um, you know, on recommendation from uh, a guy in the group, Atif good friend of ours so yeah i really enjoyed it and uh, then i did the same thing with black sabbath and um i'm just in that mode of classic rock i've been checking out blue cheer uh started listening Mm -hmm. to the who again the kinks a little bit right and uh, even the doors um which was one of my favorite bands when i was in my early 20s so that's where i am listening wise a lot of deep purple i even got a (laughs) t-shirt oh very nice uh the nice purple t-shirt uh, right. Unintended, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been pretty cool, pretty cool listening to that stuff. Now, uh, and just for clarification, now Deep Purple's lead singer is David Coverdale, or no? No. So um, they they had a bunch of singers. So they actually started with a guy. Their first three albums wasn't that successful, mm-hmm. except for the song Hush. Um, then they had their most successful um, singer, which was Ian Gillian. Um, so he was like their main singer mm-hmm. throughout the years. But um, David Coverdale did come in for like three albums um, at a time when Ian Gillian was gone. And um, yeah, he made a couple of uh, really good albums with them. Uh, one was Burn, the other was Stormringer. And uh, okay. especially Burn is quite well respected. And uh, he did a good job. He did a good job. But then Ian Gillian sort of came back and uh, took the reins again. But uh, yeah, that, that was... Uh, I mean, that was all news to me as well. I didn't know, <laughs> um, right. you know, how many albums he did and things like that beforehand. Um, like you, I thought he was like the singer all along, but he wasn't. So, right. Uh, but he was, you know what? During that time when he made those albums, especially Burn, he was really good. Because like, you know, you hear White Snake, and I think White Snake sucks, right? <laughs> I don't like that sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, agree, I agree. You know, all the jokes about David Cover- Coverdale when he did that album with um, Jimmy Page, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, they were like, oh, this guy's just a poor man's plant. But actually, he was a really good singer back in the 70s when he made those Deep Purple albums. Um, it's just that he didn't stick to that style. He, you know, he went for the more commercial pop metal thing. Yes. But in the 70s, he was the man. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's, I think it's so, if you're not well-versed with rock and roll, right? Um, right. You tend to think that he's the guy, oh, he's the the white snake guy. And that's all we know him as. And yeah. especially with that song, Here I Go Again. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So Terrible song, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know, the thing was like, when that song came out, I think he was already in his late 30s, early 40s, something like that. Yeah, and, yeah, that was after he left uh, Deep Purple and started doing his own thing. Um, right. Yeah. So he was already older than a lot of the guys that were in that scene at that time, right? Like, I think compared to, like, someone from, say, Motley Crue. Yeah, I think he was trying to, like, fit in with the younger uh, mm-hmm. crew, you know? And right. uh, the, the music at the time was a hair metal. Right. He was trying to fit into that, coming out of the 80s and jumping into the... Uh, sorry, coming out of the 70s and jumping into the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you could say he kind of tried to sell out a bit with some success, right. but 
but definitely like I would recommend like number one Deep Purple is a great one of the greatest bands ever um, mm -hmm. but uh, the album Burn with David Coverdale is one of the best albums their best albums right and and now you had mentioned that they were from a specific like the, all these bands were from a specific city in England or were they in different cities from England um, they were in different cities, but those three are called the Unholy Trinity, so the kind of beginnings of hard rock and heavy metal. Mm -hmm. um, so Led, Led Zeppelin is kind of like the beginning of hard rock, you could say, and Deep Purple, whereas uh, you know, Tony Iommi and Black Sabbath is definitely the beginning of heavy metal. So they were all kind of from different places. So Birmingham, uh, I think Led Zeppelin was from Sheffield. Oh, Hertfordshire, sorry. And um, same, same for Deep Purple, like just outside London. Um, in one okay. of the boroughs, so they're all from different places, but it was the same scene, you could say, you know, right? The beginning of hard rock and heavy metal, um, and then look, you know, now there's like millions of bands in both genres. Yeah. So. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was definitely a historical deep dive for you, right? Exactly, exactly. So I mean, I've heard Black Sabbath before as well. Like I had the first four albums when I was mm -hmm. in my twenties, but I've never gone all the way through, you know, every album song by song. Uh, for those two bands so doing so is just uh yeah really awesome oh cool you know i think it, it'll it be a very interesting topic that you and i should probably pick up in a in our latter podcast like you know hey why don't yeah. we check out the unholy trinity yeah, um, yeah absolutely. and i think absolutely. uh you'll we'll kind of give the audience like a basis like oh you know try this try this you know see what you come up with what you like which what we like and what you know and yeah. try to get the audience yeah. to check this out. Because all three bands are very different as well. So um, so that covers me. What about you, man? How, what have you been listening to in the last few weeks? Um, so uh, because of Outcasts, I've been listening to some R&B revivalists by the name of Duran Jones and The Indications. Right. Um, they're out of Indianapolis. And, you know, they take that Motown sound and kind of create, uh, use that as a basis to create their music. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, so especially listening to a lot of Outkast, uh, I I was like, oh yeah, I want to listen to this. Um, and then because and this is like a, it was kind of like I played it off you, right? Like I did listen to, um, I was and I was watching what you your feed in that group, and it's like, oh, these are some of the like the primary basis of these uh, uh, these um, the bands that you're listening to was in your early twenties, like you were heavily invested into them at the time. Yes. And now you just expanded on it. So exactly. I took that and then I started listening to um, a lot of post hardcore bands what, um, that I used to listen to when I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. So it was like uh, At the Drive In, Drive Like Juhu, Brand New, and Blood Brothers. So again, mm -hmm. I think this, 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 this specific genre, this was, it was very big in the United States, but I think like, uh, at the drive-in had a main they had main i wouldn't say mainstream appeal but they had a huge appeal in the uk like it yeah. was like oh wow this is a great band and i think they kind of opened the doors for like uh you know the screamo and emo bands that came out later that i don't right i never really and i don't know about you but i never really yeah. dived into that either right yeah uh, so, so um, um, how would you uh, how would you kind of explain that? So, say, for example, at the drive-in, is it like an indie band with the emo kind of feel, or how would you describe their style? Okay, um, first off, I would say that it's more like a hardcore punk sound, but with very you know um, screaming vocals. So uh, there okay. is that element that it is like they were under independent labels yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I would say it's like a merger, merging of like, um, uh, hardcore punk. And I would say a little bit of, um, um, like, uh, that mid nineties death metal kind of sound. Right. Mm. So just a merger of that sound, um, coming, so, you know, things are a little more aggressive, a little more screaming, but, um. I, 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 I didn't listen to these bands for a long time and then now mm. because i only playing off you i was like oh that's what he's listening wow. to. maybe i should go back into my 20s and see what i was listening <laughs> to that's really interesting that you did that yeah that's really cool yeah, yeah so and, and, and i think and, uh you also mentioned in that group there was a book about the emo bands um what, what yes. was the name of the book so it, it's called nothing feels good 
Nothing and, feels good, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's off a that's title a, of... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's very interesting because that I think emo is not that big here. So, um, right. you know, it's very interesting to me, that whole scene. Yeah. So um, if Nothing Feels Good is off an album from a band called The Promise Ring. I was really a huge fan of The Promise Ring. Yeah, I've heard and, of them. Yeah. Yes. So it's like a Midwestern emo sound. Um, again, you know, I think it's a hit or miss, right? Like it's not mm. Uh, mm. if if it's kind of like it's like, like the uh, national, like that. No, no, no. It's mm. it's a it's an indie sound, mm. much more stripped down than the national. Yeah, but with elements of punk and pop punk. Right? Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. And the lyrics are much more aligned with, say, The Cure and The Smiths. Ah, right. I see what you're getting at. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say they're, it's very reminiscent of The Buzzcocks. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. So you take those that Buzzcock element, right, and mm-hmm. some lyrics from them, and then you uh, mix in a bit of uh, American hardcore, and you get the mm. sound. Oh, very interesting. Cool. Yeah. So it's yeah. I um you know uh, I would love to uh, maybe in the future like it's such a it's such a niche sound that I would love to hear your perspective on it. Like someone yeah, that's yeah. completely away from this. Exactly. Hey, that's what you... I, that's what I was asking the questions because uh, yeah, I want to like check out some of these bands. Maybe we can do a show on it. Yeah. Point. So I think because, that yeah you know because I have that perspective of I have not I don't know anything about this. So right. It's always interesting going into something you know right. like that. But it's always yeah. intriguing, but yeah. It is, it is, it is. And I think even, you know, even like, I don't know. I mean, when you listen to these British sounds, uh, these mm. British, the unholy trinity, mm. do you feel like it's a very British sound? Or do you feel like, hey, you know what? Somebody in like India can, a metal fan in India can pick this up and say, oh, I love this. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the beginning of uh, metal. I mean, mm-hmm. so, but that, that being said, I don't think you have to love these bands. Um, you know, some people think you do, you know, somehow right. you're selling, selling out or not rock or something. I don't agree with that at all. You could hate Led Zeppelin if you want to. I'm fine with that. But for me, I just love them because they're the foundation. But not just because they're the foundation. I actually like the music. Like if there were a new right. band that just came out now, I would still like it, you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I think that, yeah, you know, th- you can't, when, when people hate, very popular bands right and then they say call them sellouts yeah there is you know there isn't it's not easy to make popular music yeah it's really not it's a very difficult process yeah and um you know i think it's one of those things where led zeppelin was able to tap into a mainstream sound along with like mm. a you know somebody who's a hardcore music nerd at that time you know like yeah. a metalhead and just both people were satisfied. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so that was pretty interesting. We've been listening yeah, to a lot of stuff. Yeah, very interesting. Let's uh, jump into the Outcast. Um, so the first album was Southern Pluralistic Cadillac Music. That's a bit of a mouthful. 1994. Yeah. And yeah, why don't you start off? What was your thoughts on this first debut album? So I'm going to um, before I start anything, I uh, I want to uh, right off the bat I want to apologize to some friends, notably a friend named Yomi. So I had made disparaging remarks about Southern hip hop, which were wrong. <laughs> right, uh, the South has produced some of the greatest artists. Right, like yes, my favorite yes. Big Crit, the Goody yeah. Mob, Childish Gambino, UGK, Three Six yeah, Mafia, yeah. Ludacris, right. the yeah, Cash absolutely. Money set, the No Limit set. Yeah. Um, the latter, the latter ones, you know, you know, I, I may not like them, but you have to respect the hustle, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. And this is where it's, it's, I think this is this is where I'm coming from as a person that didn't, you know, with, even if you think like I think I wasn't I didn't hate Outkast, right? So I'm like I don't like uh, you know Southern hip hop, but I'm okay, but I like Outkast. So it's. <sighs> It's not. It's not fair to say that because they're also they're a southern. You know, there's they they're loud and proud about being southern artists, mm. and um, and it's 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 not um, it's not 
you have to listen to each artist and say, okay, this one is decent. This one's not good. This one's that. So yeah. So um, I, I was wrong in all these instances and uh, I, re I regret that. And um, I want to give another shout out to my boy, uh, Hassan Idris, who mm. had, who had really said, you got to listen to these albums from yep. outcast. They're really good. So uh, yeah. So wise man, wise man. Yeah. Very, very wise man. <laughs> Uh, Southern Plastic uh, Cadillac Music. Um, yeah. <laughs> again, mouthful. Uh, this yeah. is a great introduction. Um, I want to ask you, when did you hear this album first? Um, I heard it in Riyadh. It was, um, yeah, it was MD. He gave me the tape. Um, great. And um, I just remember really liking Player's Ball at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ain't No Thing But a Chicken Wing. And... Uh, yeah, I was just like, oh, this is pretty cool. But I, that's that's as far as it went. I, did, I wasn't like blown away, but I thought this is pretty cool. And yeah. that's that's where it kind of stopped. Uh, it didn't make a huge impression, but it was like, oh, this, this, this is kind of different. This is kind of cool. Right. Um, but like revisiting it now, I like it a lot better. I would still say it's not my favorite of their albums. Yeah. But it was a good start. You know, Ain't No Thing, Southern Playlistic, Players Ball, Hootie Who. All good songs, and then you can hear that organized noise production yes. coming coming into play, which would really get um, in its prime in the next album. But this was a good mm -hmm. foundation foundation to their career. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to agree with you as well that um, it's not my favorite of their albums. But so now I'm going to say something controversial, right? Yeah, and it's it's actually. A, it's not my favorite album of theirs, but I think it's a really good album, just like how you said. And so, and what we have to do is we have to put context as king, right? So let's compare to albums that were released in 1994. And, you know, this is like the beginning of West Coast and East Coast rivalry. Yeah. Um, and there's a question, is it as good as Illumatic? No, but it's better than regulate G-Funk era. And I love Warren G. So, yeah. and I, this is, and regulate G-Funk era is like one of my favorite albums. But yeah. if I kept my emotions to the side and just compared production and rhymes, mm. I would say this album is better. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Because it's, you cannot, I mean, it's, it's so hard to, um, you know, like uh, keep your emotions out because that, those, those songs from the G-Funk era, from both you and me, that's like. Yeah. Every day, every day we would listen to that album. Yeah, but really we were listening to three or four songs, weren't we? If yes, we're being honest. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's absolutely yeah. true. And then if you go back and you listen to the that sound and you know whatever yeah. whatever is going on, I would say that yeah, Southern Playlistic uh, Cadillac music was probably better in that yeah. sense. I, I wouldn't call it as good as Illumatic. Illumatic was just supreme at that time. I mean, Illumatic was hard to, that's hard to be yeah. by any, any, anyone in any year. Yeah. But, any year. So yeah. that yeah. being said, so that's why context is, context is king uh, in this uh, album. I highly encourage our audience to definitely check it out. It's a really good album. You can, you know, it's good. It's a very, and uh, again, so question regarding like, uh, what did you think of the production? Did you think, it was different or reminiscent of things. I thought it was different. And mm -hmm. um, quite recently, I've actually seen the Organized Noise documentary on Netflix. Um, okay. Which made me understand why it was different. Um, just the way they do things, you know, they would just for one part bring in a bass player. Uh, you just for a one, one part of a song. They're very uh, innovative in that sense. They all play instruments. Uh, just really, really smart and uh, talented producers but at the time i was just like it was really kind of like funky but like it was different to the g-funk it was more like i don't know like a relaxed funk if, if i can use that word like a very chill and that really carried over to the next album which i'll save for the next album but that's that's what i remember like saying that this is kind of like very chill and funky at the same time right and i'm gonna ask you this um because yeah. i found the sound to be a little gritty and it was reminiscent of like an East Coast sound, but with their own signature twist, you know, with the horn sections, the bit, the bass sections, it was just, the, it was, it was still, it sounded like that, but then they twisted it around, kind of mixed it around and gave it that element. 
Yeah, it was very raw. It was very raw. Yeah. You know, at that time, it wasn't refined yet, but uh, I would agree with that definitely. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would agree with that too. And then you know, as we talk about, as you had mentioned before, moving on to like the Atlians, mm-hmm. yeah, which was a completely on. different like it's. Yeah. It was a completely different sound, and you know, and I'm gonna say that that's the album that changed the sound. Absolutely, that was. Um... I mean, that's my favorite album of all time in terms of rap. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it probably is. Like, Straight Outta Compton is up there. Wu-Tang, Enter the Wu-Tang is up there. Uh, but I would have to go with this one just because it was, I mean, it just blew my mind. Like, the funny thing is I wasn't even going to get it. Uh, someone recommended um, Red Man, Muddy Waters, or this one, uh, AT Aliens. And I remember going to the store, and I was holding both in my hand. I could only get one. Right. I'm so happy. Oh, happy I didn't get the Red Man, even though right. I like Red Man now. But yeah. I'm so happy I picked up eight. And it was just always in the car, man, like all the time. And uh, I took it to school. And I remember my friend uh, who was in a band who didn't know anything about rap. He got into it then. And we used to listen to it all the time. And no one knew who the hell Outcast was in England, except us two. <laughs> wow. And we were just, it was like a private thing. Just me, my brother, and Ben. That's it. We just listened to Outcast all day. But it's my favorite rap album ever. Um, I just love every single song almost, except for, I guess, Decoder, Palm, and Mainstream, only because they have other people on it. I right. Like, just, leave it, just leave the two alone, you know? No, right, no guest right. appearances. And just, oh, man, it's just so, like two, two, two dope boys in the Cadillac, Elevators, uh, Throw Your Hands in the Air. There's so many. Uh, Wheels of Steel, um, Jazzy Bill. Oh, mm-hmm. I could go on forever, man. I'm just, I'm a bit biased with this album. I'm just, emotionally tied to it so much no you know what and i'm gonna have to agree with you because again um so and starting with the rhymes i think the rhymes are super crisp um oh yeah yeah uh Hitting you know corners like i was a curb i struck a nerve i can still remember them <laughs> yeah oh yeah man and yeah. And, and and it's so, so smooth good. so yeah smooth. and here's the thing right big boy and andre 2000 they complement each other like you know big boy has an urgency in his sound so he does yes. sound like the guy that's like you know, on the streets hustling, and Andre yeah. 3000 is a laid back, laid back, right, right, musician kind of musician, right. So it's you, they, it's so amazing that they got both of those guys to flow really beautifully together. Yeah. Um, like you, I love the production. Like it's so unique that it has its own name, the Southern Sound. Yeah, yeah. And um, and here's another thing that I was going to add about the production. It, it wasn't done for the sake of doing it. Those are like different sounds placed in the right place, giving the sound such beautiful texture. Right? Yes. Like yeah, you yeah. get, like you'll hear a beat, and then there'll be like a slight little horn section, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's, that's, it. that's beautiful!" Yeah, yeah. That's what um, alluding to earlier when I was watching yeah. the organized noise um, documentary. I had no idea that they were that deep in their yeah. production. I mean. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. This album is on heavy rotation for me. This is the album yeah. that I was like, oh, wow, this is so good. You could you could listen to this over and over again. Yeah. And, and, and you know, like you mentioned, this has to be the best release of 1996. Tupac's All Eyes on Me was yeah. released the same year. But, and yeah. don't get me wrong, man, and I think we talked about this in our previous podcast about tupac as well that there was some filler songs in that album you know like yeah i think we kind of agreed that me against the world was probably his best album yeah his best album right right and 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 you know keeping like what we played as kids all the time as opposed to what was really you know what what was out there as well yeah this pro this album's better than that album and again it's so hard to keep your emotions out of that right yeah yeah it is it is so I, I love playing this album like every time you listen to it you hear something new you know um i would have to uh, my favorite track was definitely millennial millennium in this album okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. and you mentioned your favorite tracks as well the ones that yeah. didn't have uh well <laughs> I, have, I, I have a lot of uh yeah a lot of favorite tracks it's just almost the whole yeah. album so it's hard to single out one. I guess yeah. if I had to pick one, it was throw your hands in the air, you know, 
Oh yeah, so good, so good. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, even elevators is like such a slow mm-hmm. chill. You know, yeah, awesome. Yeah. It's absolutely awesome. Yeah. Moving on to yeah, Aqua Aquamini, uh, Aquamini, Aquamini, Aquamini. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a combination of their star signs, I think. So Aquarius right. and Gemini. Equipment. Oh, nice. Yeah, 1998. Yeah. I'm going to just say, can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> 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 you, I, you know, I what this was, this came out in 1998. Like, what, what, what? This was the album where I think all the underground heads and all the people that were like really into like, mainstream rap they all they were all listening to this album this yeah. is unbelievable like this was yeah. happening in 1998 and i'll be on so this was the time where i think um you know we were it was the bling bling era especially east coast had i think yeah. surpassed west coast yeah. um uh unfortunately tupac had passed away uh, mm. Snoop Dogg had moved on to No Limit Records, right? right. And um, I think it was like the West Coast had pretty much lost its. Uh, oomph. Yeah, it was a lot of uh, Bad Boy, Puff Daddy, Mace, that kind yeah. of thing going on. And yeah, that I I couldn't get into that sound. I wasn't feeling it, but this album, oh man, I was definitely feeling it. I was like, whoa! And at that time when I heard this album, like I had very limited knowledge of where this sound was derived from. And then as I got older and I revisited, because now I listen to a lot of stuff, you can hear elements of Motown, funk, and electronic. It's just, I can't believe what came to me was like, oh, I can't believe that they made hip hop out of that sound. Very diverse album. I mean, this is the album Mm -hmm. where they're showing off how, I guess speaker box would be where they really show their range, but this would be like also up there in terms of, we can do multiple different styles. We can use guitar like in Chunky Fire. We can do funk. Um, you know, we can do the Rosa Parks straight single, yeah. catchy, catchy sound. We can do the ironic Return of the Gangster. Like it was just awesome, man. It was just another album where I yeah. just enjoyed every single song. That it's really hard to pick out yeah. one, but if I had to, it'd probably be Rosa Parks. But uh, the whole album was pretty great. I'm going to mention something else. Is that um... You know, if I can compare to any rap group that was making this sound, it's got to be the Beastie Boys. And what I mean by that is making, you know, meaning taking different, various different musical sounds and mixing them around and coming up with a new, unique sound. Yeah. And how good was that song with Raquan? Raquan the Chef. Oh, my. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Deliver this to the audio. Get a mafioso. Pompadre. More like fuck Ronaldo. <laughs> Me and my brother still quote that every time we see Ronaldo on TV, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's something like slide tackle, yo, fuck Ronaldo. But, uh, you know, yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> uh, Again, this is the Brazilian smooth. Ronaldo, not the yeah, yeah, Brazilian present, Ronaldo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just to clear yeah. up for our audience. Yes, not, yes, yes. Uh, not, we're uh, going back to 1988, but yeah, it was just a rhyme. Yeah, yeah. You know, nothing yeah, is yeah. Because the contemporary but, Ronaldo, I think both brothers are fans or? Yeah. yeah okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah. So we're not hating on the new Ronaldo. I was a fan of his too, but yeah, it was just um, ah, another great album, a good sequel to uh, Atlians. Yeah. So I'm going to mention two things, right? Like because of the live instrumentals in this album. Yeah. I can't, sp- I, I cannot pick specific songs. I think you have to experience the album like, uh, and you know, you have to listen to it from beginning to start. And reason being so is that it's a two-part album. It's like tracks one through eight are part one. Tracks nine through 16 is the second part. Mm. And I don't want to yeah. give too much away. I think the audience should check it out themselves as well. Yes. And it flows so beautifully. Like It does. You know, it, it goes from one song to one song. Yeah. Um, I think um, the best example that I can go as far as that flow, like that experimental sound, uh, again, like a Beastie Boys album, or even like you know, um, the Beatles White album, you know, where you get that experimental sound coming up with like the White album would be yeah, what, what I would compare it to, uh, yeah, in terms of they're showing off, not showing off, but they're showing their diversity of yeah. their talent, talent, um, 
which you could argue they did with speaker box, but I think this was from a rap point of view, this was more diverse. Yeah. From a rap because speaker box went into other uh, genres, but from mm-hmm. a rap point of view, this is the white album. Yeah, of rap. Yeah. I guess. So uh, I, I, if I was, if like, if you twisted my arm, I would say Spotty Audi Dopalicious. Mm. Okay. was my uh, favorite songs there's there's like a drum loop uh, i mean uh, not a drum loop uh, a horn loop that they use and it's so infectious like you can't you can't stop listening to it yeah, yeah. wow right yeah so, so uh yeah that was a um, right next next up was stanktonia in 2000 mm-hmm. um this is where no one knew the hell august was except for like my one friend Mm-hmm. Um, and it was because of the song Miss Jackson. It was just always on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, like it wasn't their best album. Like it went more commercial. Uh, right. But I, I still liked it. I thought it was solid. I really liked So Fresh and So Clean, uh, Bombs Over Baghdad, and Miss Jackson. Right. But for me, it was a little bit of a step down. But right. uh, you know, going to that commercial sound. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, this this put them on the map in Europe. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm um, going ahead. Sorry. Um, I'm just wondering because Outcast wasn't really big here until Speakerbox, and you know, starting with this, and then really when Speakerbox came out, how big are they in North America? I know all their albums went platinum, but are they still kind of seen as a underground act, like before Speakerbox? Because that's when um, they got the Grammys and yeah. all that. But were I think Stanko- more like I think yeah. Stankonia was where they went. You know, Same they had thing. that yeah. uh, more commercial. But, all right. Yeah, but I think even the previous albums, they were. People that love hip hop, whether they were underground or they were just commercial people, or they just only listen to commercial music, everybody agreed this was the band. This was like if we were to state it in terms of rock and roll, I would say it was the appetite for destruction kind of okay. thing, where right. you know a punk person or a hair metal person or a speed metal person, anybody can listen. It was like, oh, this is a good album. Yeah, undeniable right. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, undeniable thing. So they were very big. They were actually, mm. um, they were getting super big. But Stankonia is like when they just, they went, Exploded. they were already yeah. in the mainstream, like, but this yeah. brought them to the stratosphere. This brought them to U2 level. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So now they're like up there with, you know, you know, U2. Yeah. Um, and for, and, and, and again, this is, uh, testament to how good they were um both me and my brother when we were in the car we couldn't agree on what kind of music we wanted to listen to right so mm. i was like i was jurassic five and he was like rick ross and <laughs> yeah so this is the album that prior to speaker box coming out that we could both agree on like okay we could both listen to this and this is all right ah okay okay um uh, this is like the first time I heard of Killer Mike. Killer Mike was on uh, on some of the songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the cool thing about Outcast was that they had invited many rappers from the club scene in Atlanta, and they said, "Hey, come on, you know, come on up, see, yeah. uh, let you rap on a couple of our albums." So that's kind of cool, you know. Like it's like how comedians work that do stand up comedy. If they see somebody that's red hot, hustling and doing pretty good, they're like, "Hey, come on tour with me." You're going to open up for me. Hmm. So it's the same yeah. thing. And that's kind of cool that Outcast would do that. That's a very give back to the community kind of thing. Um, and then also another thing I think that really brought them into the European sound, fans in Europe, not only the song that you mentioned, I think it was also the first time that Outcast was experimenting with rave music sounds. So like, you know, uh, if you listen to Bombs Over Baghdad, there was a very right. fast-paced yes, yes, yes. beat, much like Rave, and then they just uh, you know, added their sound to it. And I didn't know this. There's also a remix done by Rage Against the Machines, Zach De La Rocha, oh, for Bombs okay. Over Baghdad. So if yeah. you ever get a chance, check it out, guys. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, so again, like you, I like the top 10 singles, so Fresh So Clean, Bombs Over Baghdad, and Miss Jackson. But I think... Songs like Toilet Tisha and Stankonia Stank Love were super underrated and mm. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, I was, um, again, I would have to agree with you. I think the previous two albums um, were probably better because I think there was a um, conscious effort to make it continuous. But I think on this album, I think um, 
because I like to think that Big Boy wants to do more commercial sound and Andre 3000 wants to do like a more like, let's just experiment. Let's see what we can do with mm. this. Kind of yeah. stuff. I like to think that way, but then there's times where Big Boy's made some like very experimental stuff. Exactly. Like, yeah. 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 No, yeah that, so it doesn't make like my theory doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I think it's, there's a time where they just came to that point where like, maybe they were like, maybe we want to reach a more bigger audience. Right. So yeah, I can I see where the, yeah. Yeah. That's part of it. The bigger audience thing. So mm -hmm. This was that album where they reached a wider audience, but yeah, uh, it is where it is. That's how it was. Um, yeah. Stanktonia. Um, so next was speaker box and the love below, which is 2003. Uh, so this is where Outkast exploded worldwide, right? Like they yes. won the Gram Grammy for best album, um, and just exploded. And yeah, I want to get your thoughts because this was a very unique album. <laughs> yes, uh, you know, with two parts. So Speaker Box was uh, mainly Big Boy, and Love Below was, um, you know, Andre Three Thousand, two CDs. Um, mm -hmm. They guested on each other's songs here and there, but. Yeah. It was really just the two of them doing their solo thing combined together sort of thing, mm -hmm. which was unique, very unique. Um, yeah. Also, you know, Love Below is not rap. It's uh, R&B, um, soul, whatever, singing. And Speaker Box is like more of a normal rap album by yes. Big Boy. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, let's get your thoughts on like how, what did you think of that approach and what did you think of the album overall? Albums. So you know. Yeah. So I'm going to be I'm going to be honest with you. I thought there was absolutely no fillers in both albums, right? Like it was they just you know, yeah. I think they made a real good effort at creating a really good uh good songs. Um again, like uh you know, one album is Big Boy, the other is Under 2000 as you mentioned. And a layman may say uh, a layman may say that one album is straight hip hop and the other is experimental soul. I'd say the straight album is so unique in its sound that you really can't say it's straight hip hop. It's just it's just a blend of sounds coming together yeah, to make a right. hip hop album. Um, yeah. Big Boy again, like I think he's such a good rapper. Like yeah. he has that. Um, I like his style. It's it's a, you know it's. Um, he has a, a forceful voice, you know. Um, yeah. There's like a definite urgency in how he raps, so I like that sound. Um, as again, I think he was messing around with beats. I think there was again, it was the same production as Organized Noise, and uh, there's another Mister Mister DJ who helped out on this album as well, or maybe it's a previous album. I can't remember, but mm. one of those albums and. Yeah. Um, I I was a huge fan. I think that um, again you had some uh, you had some uh, I believe it was like uh, uh, Killer Mike was on guested on a few albums as well. Yep, yep. And um, I'm I don't I I can't say anything specifically um, uh, regarding like um, anything that bothered me at all. I would say that. Everything Art. was, yeah, everything was different. great. <laughs> I, and I'll add one more thing. So I'll add yes. one more thing before I close it off and I'll get to, uh, so, and then I'll talk about your opinions and then I'll get back to the love below. And um, one thing that I will mention is that um, Jay-Z guessed it on this album. And um, I think, and I'm going to go out on a limb, it's just a theory. I don't know if it's, there's no truth in what I'm saying. Okay, it's just my opinion. I think he went back and he's and this is right after and he made the black album and i think jay-z was hanging out with that outcast and he probably thought this is amazing whatever these guys are doing this is out of this world and i need to capture this on my black album which was again jay-z's main blow up like he blew the yeah. f up yes the black album like that was the album where like you know a couple songs were playing on rock radio he just had mainstream appeal he was yeah he was just up there. Yes, I so, agree with that. Yeah. So again, overall, Chris well worked uh, on the rhymes. I think Big Boy is a creative force. Mm, I agree. That's my opinion on Speaker Box. Yeah, um, I was a big fan of Speaker Box, but not so much the Love Below. Um, Speaker Box, 
I quite enjoyed Ghetto Music, The Way You Move, Unhappy mm-hmm. Bowtie, and Rooster. Um, but I, I don't think Andre 3000 is a great singer. And um, his voice, like, I know Hey Yo was like number one for like, I don't know, 100 weeks or whatever. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Like, I liked I liked a few songs like Roses, Hey Yo, uh, Dracula's Wedding was really funny. Mm-hmm. And um, Happy Valentine's Day. But right. I wasn't really feeling the love below. Like, I just wanted him to rap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, so I liked it, but I was a little disappointed with half of it, I guess, the love below part. Right. So, yeah. and I, I think initially I had the same opinion as you back in 2004. Yeah. And and I didn't listen to the album for a while, right? And then I got into other stuff, other music, and I came back and listened to it. And I'll say this, like one of my favorite artists right now is Blood Orange. And um, without this album, there's no Blood Orange. There's no mm. Childish Gambino's Awaken My Love. Or Kanye's 808 and Heartbreaks. Because this album is so amazing, right? It's like so cohesive with how he creates this beautiful, you know, um, uh, layered music. If you can, for one minute, you know, separate yourself from, oh, I like him as a rapper and Mm. just listen to that sound, which is a tough thing to do because you, what we want. Yeah. No, I mean, I tried that, to be honest. I just don't yeah. think he has a great singing voice. That, that's my No, point. no, no. Yeah, he doesn't. And I think, yeah. again, like, I don't think neither does, you know, um, Childish Gambino. But I think the fact that you can kind of experiment with it and see what mm. you come up with. And I mm. think there's also, I think he also used a lot of vocal tunings as well. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, I mean, if you're if you're a rock, I mean, a, a music, uh, um, a singer purist, then you will notice that, and you won't like it. And I can agree to that. I can I can see what is going on here. Um, and this is again, I think me and you both talked about this. Like when artists start to experiment, sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. You know, um, and it's a topic that you and I both had discussed, and I think we're going to discuss it further. And I'm just going to touch on the top. The top of it is something like you know, Guns N' Roses Chinese Democracy, which yes. was an experimental album. Yeah. It is. And I don't want to get too much into it because I think we should save it for latter part. You, there is nothing on a song like Madagascar. Right. Exactly. That is less than, say, um, November Rain. Lyrically. Oh. Lyrically and singing. I don't know about that, but uh, I like Madagascar. I won't. Deny yeah, that. Yes. But <laughs> this, I would say, if you look at the lyrics, right? Just look at the lyrics, like the composition of the music, and you look at yeah. the lyrics and yeah. you compare them side by side, right? You cannot say that, oh, it's a mud. I, I shouldn't say you cannot say. I, I would, would say, um, go for This I Love. That, that I felt was the new version of November Rain, if I could say that. Right. Yeah. So, I love that. Yeah. Song. But I know so, what you mean. I know what you mean. Right. So again, you know, me and you love that album, but a lot of audiences, like GNR fans, didn't love it. But again, it comes to that point where, where you experiment with certain sounds, and sometimes it clicks with fans, and sometimes it doesn't. Like we're both Outcast fans. You didn't care too much for the Love Below. I thought it was great. I thought it influenced mm. many people. But yeah. I think. This is where that thing is, where certain things didn't like, didn't click for you. It just didn't, yeah. You know, it wasn't good, right? Yeah. Um, and I again, um, like there's like these strange little interludes and experimentation that he does with this sound, and I think packaging it together with Big Boy and making it this album like an Outcast album, I think if you're like 15 or 16 at that time and you listen to this album, you're like, Oh, this is so different than anything I've heard before. Yeah. And I think this was the gateway where you had, you know, it was a new, I remember distinctively that it became a new school by 2007 when, you know, when, um, um, a Kanye West release college dropout. Hmm you knew the mainstream rap song rap sound had changed yes like I things are things are have changed and i think this album in itself was the precursor to that 
But again, that's just my opinion. I mean, it's no, that is true. That is true. They broke. Uh, they broke new ground. You can't deny that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, yeah, and I think most people that were, you know, that were listening, uh, listening specifically to the sound. I mean, there's um, even Common had an album, The Circus. There, he, I, I know for sure he heard this album, and he's like, "Hey, I need to make that kind of sound," and he became, you know fascinated with this world that uh um under 2000 was experimenting with so i see it as like groundbreaking and i see your point yeah man like he's sing his singing is not i will agree with you his singing is not good and it's, again you can all you can tell what's auto-tuned and what's not auto-tuned it's yes. that bad <laughs> Yeah, right? I mean, I wouldn't say it's bad, but I just don't think it's good enough for. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, just, it's like a, it's like a pop singer. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But I think just because that he took those risks for that experimentation and expanding that sound, I became a fan. I was like, oh wow! And initially, I was with you, man. Like, hey, where's the rapping? I'm not feeling yeah. this. Yeah. But then when you listen to other music, other stuff, and then you come back to it. Then you're like, oh, now I see what he's doing. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Right. Um, so the last album was Idol World, which was actually a concept album, um, <laughs> which was actually just uh, supporting the movie, So, which was a musical called Idol World. Um, I liked a few songs like Mighty O, Idol World Blue, which was a blue song, uh, Call the Law and In Your Dreams, which had Killer Mike, but uh, not too much to say about this. It was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just supporting the movie, so it wasn't really an outcast album as such. Um, any right. thoughts? Like, I know you skimmed a little bit. Um, yeah. Um, again, like what you said, it definitely sounds like it's uh, it's a soundtrack to a movie. I didn't get to watch the movie, so maybe my opinion might change if I see what they're trying to do with that with that with that album slash you know movie. So yeah. It may change if I hear it. So uh, I thought it was, you know, uh, okay, I hear it, but I didn't listen to it, right? Yeah, I think it's set in the 50s, and that's why there's a lot of blues and uh, stuff like that. Right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I did did want to mention that uh, Big Boy has three solo albums and one album with Fantagram called Big Grams. Grams. And all those Mm -hmm. four albums are really good. Um, I would advise everyone to check out Big Boy's solo stuff. I wish uh, Andre would do some stuff because uh, he just seems to go into acting and doesn't really want to do much uh, yeah. music-wise at the moment. And that was pretty much the end of Outcast in 2006. Um, but Big Boy continues, but hopefully we can get a full reunion in the future. Yeah. I and I have to agree with you. Like the, I heard all those albums as well. And yeah. I was like, oh, wow, Big Boy is like really good. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, yeah. and then like, He's unconventional. I think some of... Uh, under 2000s, um, uh, you know, experimenting, experimenting, experimentation had rubbed off on him. Yeah, he's uh, he's also experimental. It's not just Andre. I mean, Andre has the yeah. more like Andre plays piano, guitar. He's more diverse mm-hmm. musically. But like, yeah, definitely, I agree with you that Big Boy maybe is sometimes underrated in terms of how experimental he is. And I think he's underrated as a rapper because like always, Andre 3000 comes in the top ten of everyone's. Rap lists, but if you include mm-hmm. Andre, you got to include Big Boy because I think they're just as good as each other, rapping wise. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think there's, I think they play off each other so well. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen. I'm trying to think of a rock band because you can't really, like, I guess Wu Tang with Beatles with all those or guys. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you know, well, Lennon okay, McCartney, yeah. that kind of thing. You know, yeah, because I think. Uh, Lennon uh, McCartney had more pop sensibilities, right? Like he was more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just um, in the in the sense of they were both great at what they did, and they complemented each mm-hmm. other in that way. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, at the t- both as talented as each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that I'm trying to think of other, like even a rap group that I can think of where mm-hmm. all well, the Wu Tang musicians... has a lot of members. Maybe Wu Tang, you could say. Uh, well, Wu Tang is like everyone has different favorites. Some people like Ghostface yeah. and Raquan. Some people like Method, you know. Uh, 
and Rosa. You know, it's it's different, but uh, yeah, yeah, because there's nine of them, right? Like it's hard to compare. Yeah, to that's a bit. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. tricky. But I don't know. I would, yeah, I don't know. Because yeah, like um, it, you know, like, like something like NWA, right? With NWA, like yeah. I felt like, yeah, the rappers were different in how they rapped, but they were pretty much rapping about the same kind of stuff. Yes. Right. Yeah. There was no, there were a cohesive unit, but they weren't an expert. Like one guy, there wasn't like you know DJ Yella just rapping about like you know a dream that he had last night, right? Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was different. That was like more like a movement, yeah. right? Like an of yeah, reality based rap and uh, yeah, shining p- political to a sense of you know showing what's going on and all that. But yeah, I agree with you. This is uh, Outcast is very unique. There's, I don't think there yeah. is anyone like them. Even you know what I'm gonna say this even even Black Star, the guys were, yeah, they were you know they were kind of like rapping about the same kind of stuff, you know. But I I can't think of anybody that was two guys that were just rapping about two different things, and come together to make a beautiful sound. I cannot yeah. think of one guy, no, one rap group. I guess that's why they're so great. Okay. Yeah. 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 I had a pleasure. I had an absolute pleasure listening to this. It was yeah. so fun. Um, some of these, like, especially the um, two middle albums, I think they'll be on heavy rotation. Yes. Um, I'm happy yes. that you got me into this. I did put <laughs> yeah. a few, even the Oasis first album into heavy rotation. So, you know, this is the stuff getting, yeah. getting, getting to like this sound. And um, you watch these artists grow. You watch them come up with something new, something different. Yeah, I did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Oh. So I was, uh, I was content. I was happy. It was a good sound. Ah, oh, great, great. I'm glad. Did you uh, before this podcast? Like, did you like grow up listening to these albums, or not so much? Or it was more like uh, sing- s- singles. The latter two albums. The latter two albums I did. Um, right. The, oh, okay, so AT Aliens and stuff must have been a big surprise. Like, oh my god, what is this? Uh, that was so. I would say like 2008. Oh, okay. No, actually, so, so I don't know. 2004, five, six, and seven. So it was like a good, you know, five, six years after the albums came out, right? Seven years after. Oh, the still, you've heard it before. You've yeah. Heard it before. yeah okay. But not to the inten- the intensity. Not to the as much as I listen to it now, right? Yeah, yeah. Then I was like, because it was, I think there's also a time where you listen to so much music that things get lost in the shuffle, right? Definitely. I agree. With, yeah, yeah, that happens all the time. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like when I was listening to them, I was listening to The National, I was listening to Black Alicious, I yeah. was listening to, you know, Mastodon, like so much music, so much yeah. music. And then it just got lost in the shuffle. And then now, you know, okay, I'm just going to listen to this. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I did. I guess I was hearing them, but I wasn't listening to them. That makes sense. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you did now. So, uh, well, that's been Outcast um, with The Rocket and K9. And we are signing off. <laughs>